Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Okay, can you see me? Can you hear me? Yo, I can hear you. I can hear you. I cannot see you yet. Hey, we did it. Hello, we did it. How's it going? It's going okay. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I literally just walked in my door. I have good news and bad news. Which okay, is, go, let's do it. I walked up to my house and I was like, oh, fuck, the door is open. I've been gone since 10. It's oh, no. Two. I've been robbed. I go inside. Everything's untouched. Everyone left my shit alone. There's hope for humanity. Are you sure somebody was in there and you didn't just leave the door open? Can you just asking? I'm just, I'm, I'm not, not trying. Wouldn't I'm... that be so exciting if I'm currently <laughs> locked inside of my apartment with an intruder? This um, would be, that would be a big twist for this episode. <laughs> the best episode of all time. <laughs> Someone gets murdered live. It's just like I, a Netflix show. I hope that doesn't happen. I will keep an eye out for movement okay, behind you. you. No problem. Um, and I love that you, you you told me you're running slightly late, but I had no idea all of this was happening. So thank you for still sitting down with me in the middle of all no, of no. that. That was just the the cherry on top of the day, but here we are. <laughs> well, hopefully this will make the day better. I hope I can do that for you. Um, but before we get started, I do have to do a quick ad read. I apologize. This is always so awkward to make you sit through this, but that is what this is. This week's episode of 39-Minute Conversations is not technically presented by Burn It Down. Full disclosure, I just got my copy, have not read it yet, very excited to crack it open, but Burn It Down is a new expose about the abuse and exploitation rampant in the entertainment industry. In this book, veteran reporter Maureen Ryan illuminates the forces sustaining the most corrosive elements of Hollywood culture. Her reporting sheds lights on problematic situations at places like Lucasfilm, Saturday Night Live, Lost, Sleepy Hollow, many more. Uh, Burn It Down features interviews with Evan Rachel Wood, Harold Perrineau, Damon Lindelof, Orlando Jones, and more, discussing the waves of industry reckonings and what did and did not change after. Ryan dismantles the destructive myths of the industry, including the idea that it's a, purely a meritocracy, some of the toxic ideas about what the creative process requires, and it paints a groundbreaking portrait of what's wrong with the world of entertainment and, importantly, how to fix it. Burn It Down is coming out at another inflection point in Hollywood where unions are standing up and saying enough that we want to be treated better, that we deserve to make a living, that we deserve to be respected as the artists and creators we are. The Writers Guild, obviously, were on strike. SAG-AFTRA passing their strike authorization vote uh, with 98% of voters saying that they're willing to, rock, to walk out. I love movies. I love TV. I love a lot about this industry. Obviously, I wouldn't be here if I didn't. But the system is broken and has been broken in many ways. And Burn It Down is such an important book for the moment that we are in. I probably, I haven't read it yet, but I encourage you and myself to read Burn It Down. And hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones. But I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. My guest today is a writer and producer that I met on the Netflix picket lines where they are a strike captain. Their credits include shows like Kevin Can Fuck Himself, Love Victor, and the upcoming Spiderwick Chronicles. It's harder to say than I thought. Spiderwick Chronicles on Disney Plus. Please welcome Jasmine Peck. 
Hello. Hello, Hello Jasmine Peck. Thank you for having me. Thank I'm you again for doing excited. this. I'm very excited. Are you kidding me? Um, like I mentioned up top, we met on the picket lines. We have hung out a little bit there and we have a shared connection that we bonded over that we will get into. But the first things first, I just want to say that I'm very excited to chat with you and get to know you better. And thank you for taking the time out of your day, even when you maybe have an intruder in your home. Listen, if they make an appearance, it'll be, I, I come out whenever, just like, yeah, join yeah. us. <laughs> but I, I, the, the morning was wonderful. I did some like door knocking for my friends. My friend is running for city council district 14. Oh, cool. Um, against Kevin DeLeon. So, uh, so I did some of that and this lady gave me apricots from her yard. Oh, that's nice. Delicious apricots. Yeah. So I've been having a great day. This is, this is wonderful. (laughs) Good. I am glad it, you were just doing, I don't know, we'll get into more about it, but you do so much like in terms of strike captaining, in terms of obviously political work, and then you work, um, you work with the Black Film Allegiance and uh, uh, Allegiance, Black Film Allegiance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you work with all those cool organizations. Like, how do you find time and you know keep the passion going to do all this different stuff? I think the the those questions are, are intertwined with each other because like the passion makes you make the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the passion comes from I don't know I. I grew up in a household that cared a lot about social movements and politics and sort of tried to educate me um, on uh, why being involved was necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, And in undergrad, I further developed my sort of like social and political ideology. I was in a program there that did like domestic and international service work, which is fraught in its own way. I I would categorize it parts of it parts of it as like volunteerism, but not all, mm-hmm. um, and much more community based than I think a lot of those um, programs typically are. Um, community first, and so our job is really to like learn about people and and build relationships with people, and then address needs that they brought to the table versus like going in and being like, oh, we heard y'all need this, so do mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. Taking a bunch of pictures and leaving, you know, yeah, all the, yeah, all those things. Exactly, yeah, very um, NGO heavy. Um, yeah. And then I came out here um, and got caught up in like trying to do grad school and get a job and all those things. And so I've slowly found my way back to the political organizing side of of things too. That's cool. That's really cool. It's cool that you take all that like that's that's a cool thing that like not everybody spends their time like, you know, I think we all believe in a lot of these causes and we do what we can, but not everybody walks the walk in that way. So it's great that you take the time and do that work. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Of course. And everybody has like capacity and space for for what they have time for. So like when I was in school, I wasn't doing shit, but like oh I have to be on set for class let me just whatever so now Mm -hmm. I have the time to re re reinvigorate I'm like reading more books and and like re-familiarizing myself and also I'm a California transplant as you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've lived here for like almost seven years um but the last two is when I've really started to get actually involved with 
like building community in California mm. um, and like being involved in my neighborhood and meeting my neighbors and like going to my local garden and seeing like um, and becoming like a part of of the fabric of the space instead of just like someone who shows up and experiences it in yeah. their circles you know I, th- I think that's great and that actually leads to something I was going to ask and I think you kind of already answered it but I might just ask in a slightly different way because I'm a bad interviewer um I did um like this podcast was born out of like the pandemic and about and out of like I used to perform a lot I used to do a lot of like improv and sketch comedy and things and then once that all that shut down I was I needed something to do that was a little bit you know social and performative and things that I was missing out on from the safety and comfort of my own home um so that's kind of what how the pandemic kind of changed me it turned me into a little bit more of a shut-in than I was before uh, it sounds like you are on the opposite end of the spectrum during that during the pandemic you were going out and like doing work and like with people and like that's kind of it was when that reinvigorated for for you but I'll just ask you know that included or however you want to answer obviously how do you think the pandemic changed you how are you today different than you were say in 2019 whoa whoa you're asking <laughs> questions, Ryan. This is I'm why, a I'm a serious interviewer. Yeah, this is why the people come here to Thirty Month. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting because I really just you know I guess yeah, 2022 is, is still pandemic times, but like early pando. Um, <laughs> I hate that I said that. I <laughs> love it. I love it. Early early pandemic, I was living like by myself in this Mm -hmm. really shitty little apartment I had pigeons that like roosted in between the (laughs) top of my room and the ceiling so every morning I would just hear like (laughs) I was losing my actual mind Um, and I I had some like friends that would come and, and drive by my house and we would get on the phone while they sat in their car. And that was like my human interaction. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it forced me to like put myself out there a little bit more. And I joined mm-hmm. like, this language learning group for, it was like a queer language learning group for Japanese. Um, and I did that for a while and like did more like I was into what was it called that app you know that app oh my god that app which which oh, app okay you know um, that app. and it was like no video and the whole thing was that you would get into rooms and talk oh 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 gosh um I can't think of it but I believe you I believe that it was a thing what was the name of it it started with a c um it's gonna come up in okay in a- we'll figure it out it will figure it out. It's really not important. But I started like having a lot of conversations with um, people in those sort of digital spaces. Um, it wasn't not chat roulette. That was before. That was that was like the creepy thing before that no. did have video where people were showing their dicks off a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chat roulette and Omegle were the two that people were doing. Like, oh, like this could be a pleasant conversation, or it's a penis. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Only two <laughs> options. Only two <laughs> options. Um, <laughs> but uh what was it uh clubhouse clubhouse there it is I should have yeah yeah yeah. um like trying to build space and making sure that people still had like community and I did a lot of stuff with black film allegiance like on Mm -hmm. clubhouse and 
things like that. But um, I was, I moved back to West Virginia actually during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Moved all of my shit out of my shitty pigeon apartment mm-hmm. and, and then <laughs> moved back to my, um, my grandparents' home where my grandma still lives in West mm-hmm. Virginia. We lived with her for like a year until I needed to come back. Um, mm-hmm. That was when I was still working in development. And so I sort of like, and I, I, got, I started writing actually while I was living in West Virginia also. Okay. Um, I want to get into all that. Let's get into the West Virginia angle of it all first, because that is how we, that is the thing that we first bonded over. I think it was day one of the strike. Uh, You know, I'm out there on the picket lines. I don't, I know a couple people, but not many. And I'm just, just, you know, feature writers don't know anybody. So I'm just, (laughs) we're very lonely. So I'm just out there. I'm out there just walking by myself. And then I just hear like, Hey, West Virginia, I'm wearing a West Virginia hat at that time. And it's so rare that you run into anybody from West Virginia in LA. There's not many of us who make it uh, out at all, let alone this far. Um, so what, how, I mean, how often, I mean, you're not from there originally, I don't think, right. You've kind of were up and down the East coast, yeah. but how, how long did you, um, how long do you live in West Virginia? Obviously, including, I guess the last year of the pandemic. And is that, do your grand and your grandparents are, your grandparents are from there? My grandpa, my grandpa was from there. Okay. Um, he he went to high school with like Bill Withers, so wherever Bill I was gonna Withers ask him, I was gonna, I didn't know, I that's crazy because I literally have written down that you're from Beckley, which is yeah. where Bill Withers is from, and he is yeah. a top five West Virginian. That's crazy. Exactly. A, a Hall of Fame, I would say Bill Withers is like number one West Virginian, arguably. He's he's either one or two because Jerry West is the NBA logo, so there's like it's close. I would put those two like at the top though yeah right there right there okay mm-hmm. those two and then who else is for, like jennifer garner steve jennifer harvey. garner steve harvey uh yeah. john f nash who was the subject of a beautiful mind he's from my hometown okay yeah yeah yeah. they made us watch a beautiful mind so many times in high school <laughs> i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna burn this building down if you show me a beautiful mind one more time like get the baby out of the bathtub john <laughs> Did you also watch a lot of um, October Sky? Was that one that yes. you guys had? Yep, yep. that's Homer Hickam, also West Virginia. Yep. Uh, Chuck Yeager. Yep, Yeager Airport. All mm-hmm. the, all those good, all the greats, all the greats. See, there's uh, a few of us. And now Jasmine Pack and Brian Arnold. Right? Yeah. What's that? Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon, Brad DeRiff. Okay. Um, George Brett, the baseball player. Um, there's a few of us. We're doing okay. And and Brian and Jasmine. So exactly. New generation. Um, yeah. So my grandpa's family is from Beckley. Um, and I so growing up, I was there like every summer um at my grandparents' house. And then when I was in like the middle of eighth grade, we moved to West Virginia and I did high school there and finished eighth grade. How was West Virginia for you? Like, it's a mixed bag in a lot of ways. It is. It is. I think like having the the small town family experience is really nice. You know, yeah. like having all your cousins and being able to like be in community with them and see them all the time and um, have those spaces is awesome. I think I was just talking today about like West Virginia's political history and. Mm-hmm interesting it's interesting it's very interesting because like it's not what I think most people would 
expect if they mm-hmm. just, like were were judging based on the court of public opinion of of the state sure um it's also gone downhill a lot though like i i understand where the public opinion's at now but it was yeah. for a long time a democratic state yeah. uh um it obviously it for people who don't know it, it's it separated from the from Virginia to lead the Confederacy to fight against the to fight against the Confederacy. Yeah, to lead the Union. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to join the Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so like there is like progressive history in West Virginia that now has just been kind of like you know we left the Confederacy, but you'll still see a good chunk of Confederate flags when you roll around West Virginia these days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like so that and like its history is a a state that is essential to the overall United States history of labor organizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matewan. Like Matewan? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like not talked about enough, especially like as a, as a coal mining state, and like the amount of work that miners did in mm-hmm. union struggles um, in West Virginia and what that did for, for labor organizing overall is, is huge. Um, and they had some very like bloody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Battle of Mate yeah. one. Um, and then like, yeah, all the company store stuff that were fought against and West Virginia is like, it's not something they really teach you growing up in West Virginia that much. I don't think they want you to kind of know that stuff, but yeah, actually, when you think about it, it is like a huge, um unions were a big deal in west virginia and they still kind of are even as the state turns more and more red and uh leaves that history behind a little bit yeah it's unfortunate i think like my experience was definitely in that duality and i did go to high school with kids that like wore confederate flags on their Mm t-shirts and like some i remember this kid bringing his grandpa's like ss medal with him oh fuck and like you know shit like that alongside like my cousin mariah like other people like existing um can in a more like uh a much different political and social space um but it's also like a everyone waves hello state even if you have your logo on your truck like everyone's like very high how are you like Mm -hmm. how's your day um and I think that identity politics and and sort of the way that racism exists is like a a buttress for capitalism has Mm -hmm. really affected the the people the way that people in that state in particular like address their own needs and if people Mm -hmm. like really took a look at like how they were being treated and who was fulfilling those needs and who wasn't, I think maybe we would have a different um, political landscape in the state as well. It'd be nice. And I think that's a national problem. Like just the idea of, yeah, it's the, you know, economic, it's really like an economic divide in this country, but we're, you know, being pointed, but, you know, the poor whites are kind of being pointed against like but it's the other it's the it's the others that are the problem not the rich folk and yeah it's that has been a huge problem in west virginia obviously and continues to be a huge problem in this uh country it's uh obviously you do all this stuff it's just gross uh um growing up in west virginia when did you know that like you know obviously the social justice and all these things are very important to you uh when did you know that you uh, wanted to uh, work in film and TV, and I know you like to 
you use those themes a lot. Those themes are important to you in like your writing. So when did you decide like, well, film and TV is how I how I utilize this stuff and what I want to do for my for my life. I really wanted to be an actor in high school. I like oh, yeah? was convinced I had played Yinta in my school's <laughs> production of Fiddler on the Roof. I was like, bet like NYU here I come baby like whatever um and I applied to uh, a bunch of schools some of them I got into NYU I did not get in um sure. but the school that gave me the most scholarship money was St. John's and Queens and mm-hmm. that's where I did that um program it's called the Austin Scholars Program if you are graduating high school and you're thinking about somewhere to go and you want to travel and like also do social justice shit that's an amazing program um of course like it's a catholic Vincentian institution so take everything with that i'm doing a hand motion if you're listening <laughs> take everything with that when sure. you go into it but i think it does a good job of providing a a an entry point if you are, are trying to do organizing work and people in that have gone on to do some really cool things um but I it was a tv film production major and I was broke and I like didn't I I like didn't want to go to the school that my mom had gone to for undergrad that's the other school that I got like a lot of scholarship money for and I was like I'm not going because she went so <laughs> I'm going. and then my mom was like okay that's fine and you have to go to St. John's and I was like copy will do um, <laughs> and things just sort of unfolded from there um yeah when yeah so you didn't so you originally wanted to act and then you got into the tv film production and writing and all of that mm-hmm. um so what's what i think is kind of interesting growing up where we kind of grew up it is as bad as far removed as this in, from this industry as you can be um and i personally was like well i can't major it i can't go to film school one i can't afford it two like what am i going to do with my life if i don't make it in what i want to do did you have like a backup plan were you like no no i'm all in on on this um that's really interesting i mean to the first to your first point i think i felt that it was possible one because i like my mom did a really good job like my family did a really good job of making me feel like things were possible mm-hmm. um like but also I had seen there's a kid ahead of me in in school his name is Brooks Klein and he went to NYU he like made it into Tish and and um because I did high school theater I did a lot of like theater West Virginia stuff and oh, yeah, so yeah. people like working and doing the thing like what I, in like in a space that I was also in that had built a bridge to go to that next stage and so I was like you know I could I could probably find something to do I thought I would probably end up um working like in the New York City like newsroom circuit doing mm-hmm. camera work or something like that um which I think St. John's is a great program if you're trying to do stuff like that as well as um film and, and TV in a, in a, a more narrative sense too mm-hmm. um so yeah that's where the 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 craziness of Hollywood started I guess in mm-hmm. in some way shape or form but I didn't think about moving out here until um I was graduating from undergrad and people were saying like oh what are you gonna do like do you have a plan and, and I just lied and said I was going to grad school um <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I was like fuck I have to apply so that when they asked me how it's going 
then I can say, oh, I applied here. So I like went through the motions of it and then mm-hmm. they let me in somewhere. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go. So you so got into I- USC, right? To do, to do grad school and film and television production again. Um, at what point in this process, you know, you're studying, you're thinking you might work on the technical side, first acting, then technical side. At what point were you like, oh no, I'm a writer. This is what I want to do. Um, well, I've been writing like, like my whole life when I was when I was little we would like go to the park and make up stories about passerbys and stuff like that and so I like have little children's books that I wrote as a kid bound (laughs) in in like drawers somewhere in West Virginia um but I think like in undergrad I thought that documentary work would be more impactful um Mm -hmm. because like it's this sort of idea of like communicating the reality of a situation and like involving people in the lives of others in this way. And I think that that is very beneficial, but I also think like part of experiencing and building relationships and having discussions with people of so many different backgrounds is like, the commonality and the power of like dreams and possibility in different communities and like being able to see oneself doing the impossible, like being the hero, mm-hmm. taking down the like corporate like institutions and things like that. It, it, it hit me how powerful that really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of wanted to be in a space where people that like hadn't really seen themselves like I don't think I've ever seen anyone that truly reminds me of of who I am as an individual on Mm -hmm. screen um and so I wanted to to have fun doing that as well as like sneaking in the what's what does Jordan Peele say he's like the medicine and the candy Mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah, that's interesting because like I I obviously like documentaries are great. I'm a fan, but there's a for the most part, there's a limited reach to them. Like it's just not gonna not everybody's gonna see it. And it does feel sometimes like it's just like, you know, taking your vitamins versus, you know, a film can like have an impact on a person and they don't even realize the impact it's having. So that's um yeah, Jordan, I think Jordan Peele puts it a very good way. And speaking of Jordan Peele. Um, a lot of the li- my listeners to um to the show and a lot, of course, is a very relative term. Uh, are pre WGA are trying to, are you know working their way toward this industry. So I like to talk about sort of the journey to getting uh in your foot in the door. And you're one of the first guests I've had, I think, that started on the production company side, that started on the development side. You worked at Monkey Paw um mm-hmm. for um for a little while. Um, so what was that like being on? the other side of the table before you were working as a writer being on that you know the other side of a general meeting <laughs> it was it was really fun I I loved it I loved that work I loved that job um I think like my favorite part is all my favorite part is always like finding ways to build this we're all leading to one collective experience like mm-hmm a movie a podcast a show whatever like that's a that's a collective experience and so the like individual stories and connections that we make along the way all snowball into this 
one thing that everyone then like takes in and has a has a discussion or feels together um in and so like having the opportunity to see all those little threads and like meet those people and and help bring them together um was really fruitful um and i i started at monkey paws and intern i hit them up on twitter um, oh wow yeah back when i had social media <laughs> in in those dark days i i hit them up and i was like hey can i come visit the office um and matthew cherry who worked there at the time um said send me a dm and he sent me like someone's email address i sent my resume over um and they were like come out to this address it was a house in the hollywood hills i was like they're gonna this is a trap i'm gonna <laughs> wake up in a bathtub my kidney mm -hmm. is gonna be gone like uh -huh. but i had an experience so it's fine and then i went in there and i and i ended up working my way up um to creative exec before I before I skedaddled um but it was like a really wonderful like time to to learn especially with a company that was really growing and is is so much different now than it was in like 2017 or 2018 when I started um when I started working there um but that's like one of the core pieces of advice I would give to people that are looking for like um opportunities is like hit people up like don't say hi hello give me job obviously but like, <laughs> like even though it worked for you even though even though it it does work in rare instances but I think like hey what's up I love you I love what you do there I love the work that this company does like I would love to like like get coffee and pick your brain or like zoom with you for 15 minutes and and just like learn about what your journey was to this role and position and I did that all the time when I was on that side oh my god the timer just came up oh I know you got 10 minutes it's so short oh it's my so god. short <laughs> um but and I I would have like lots of really good conversations with people who would then send me their resumes and then when something came up I would be like here's this person here's that person so like beating the pavement and like finding places you have to think about where you want to be um and how you want to position yourself like in terms of what you want in the industry so I always knew like I want to be a creative like I think ultimately I want to write and direct features um but like the pathway that I've taken is I've tried to put myself in spaces with people that I feel like I can learn a bunch from. Um, and I loved to get out. And so I reached out to that, to the people that made that because I knew I would learn something about the type of art that I wanted to create in that space. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you got to work it like Viacom or whatever, but sure. <laughs> if you can hit the little guys first and then, mm -hmm. and then jump into the corporate shark waters if that's if that's what you want for yourself you don't have to do it that's all I'm saying I think that's really inspiring because like yeah I think I think people are scared of the ask of just like and there's a difference between like you know I'm sure you've dealt with this too of just like hey here's a movie idea here like don't send people your movie ideas uh but like if it's just like I want to talk to you about the industry like I'm looking for opportunity like people want to help like this is a hard industry to break into and I think paying it forward for a lot of us is like the only way we feel like 
I know how to give back. So I, yeah, I would agree with that advice. I would encourage people to like, not be afraid of, of asking for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you, so you're back in West Virginia during the pandemic. You, that's when you start writing to like, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to make the switch. I'm actually going to write now as my job. How did that, how did that uh, happen? How did you make that transition? How did you get your foot in the door on the other side of the industry? Okay, so what happened was I was <laughs> a, a development coordinator at the time. My friend Michelle asked me if I had a script because um, her she had a friend who was getting getting a show together, and I said no because I didn't. But I said I'll get you one, and then I took <laughs> a weekend in like Fugue State, wrote twenty seven pages, like a little pilot, sent it over, and I hear shit for months. Yeah, like that was a horrible idea. I don't know who I thought I was. What is wrong with me? Um, and then these dudes hit me up from Three Arts, Daniel Vang and Ollie Opes. And they were like, hey, uh, um, like read your script, loved your material. Like I would love to talk to you about staffing somewhere or whatever, like whatever you wanna do, let's talk about your career or whatever. And I was like, okay who are you why do you have this like what's going on um I called Michelle she was like oh yeah I sent your script to like a ton of people so what's up to Michelle Willens at Spring Hill she is a true saint um and <laughs> um but they they said hey let us see if we can get you staffed I was like sure I'm not leaving my job though they're like no worries um and I got a gig a staff writing gig uh because my first meeting that that they set up was with Craig DiGregorio um who co-show ran Kevin Can Fuck Himself with Valerie Armstrong um and they were just so nice and like my over I I want to like help change the world with my art or whatever but I also like <laughs> want to work with nice people that's um, a very big deal yeah it's so important to work with nice people. And mm -hmm. so far, I'm like, I I'm, have a pretty good track record of working with nice people. Um, and and so uh, I, I did that mini room. It was like eight weeks. And I would do my staff meeting for Monkey Paw at nine, get in the room from 10 to noon, do my generals and notes calls from like noon to two while we had oh my God. back in the room from two to five. And I was on the East Coast. So I was like, Gollum by the end oh of my it. god um but it was an amazing like an amazing experience a really good learning experience um and I'm very grateful for for that being my entry because I think if you do if you start out doing some crazy shit then like when shit is regular you're sort of like oh this is this is good. This is fine. Like whatever. So I would recommend doing something very insane to start. Mm -hmm. And then when shit is like a regular, like nine to five or 10 to four or whatever, and things are popping off, you're like, this is fine because I used to do whatever. I used to like juggle swords while I was doing this same thing. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about, we don't have that much time left. We're under five minutes now. I want to hear more about uh, the Black Film Allegiance, where you are the director of development. Um, so I would love to hear about what that work entails, what the goal of that organization is, uh, how can people support it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for highlighting that. I think yeah, of course. 
Um, that's one of the things that I like want to just make sure has has as much like breadth and growth over the next few years as possible. Because um, what we really want to do is provide a space for filmmakers to like network with each other, meet each other. We have a directory of filmmakers on our website. If anyone's looking for like black talent in any field, they can find them there. Um, we just started like a rental service on ShareGrid um, with a bunch of equipment that was donated mm-hmm. um, and it's discounted for people that are part of our community. So like, I think in school you hear a lot of like, oh, just go shoot it on your phone. Like just do it in like tangerine, like whatever. But mm-hmm. <laughs> that costs money. It like, does cost money. <laughs> it costs tons of money. Like, I don't know where you think I'm getting this money to shoot this beautiful <laughs> iPhone movie. Like, yes, it was made with one of these, but also like a lot of money and intention went into yeah. that. So we're trying to remove some of the cost barriers to that experience so we can have more voices in the conversation. Um, And I think like providing opportunities for like us to meet like other voices and to work with each other is really important. Um, I think I really, I was thinking about this the other day, like the last room that I was in was the first room that I like, I think actually in my first room, there was another black person, but like two out of four shows have been the only black person in the room. Mm. And like, that is not the experience that I want to have as a writer. And I think often if you come from an intersecting identity, like people have you for your experience and it should be like for our skills as writers as well. Um, And we all have different skill sets that are like diverse within and without our separate, like, identity spaces and communities and so like the more people that we can get in the room the better and that's sort of why black film allegiance exists to provide like access to that hidden curriculum and opportunities for people i love that that's really cool and is there a website or somewhere people can like check it out or donate or anything like that yes it's bfallegiance.com i think that might be great I'll put a link in. I'll put a link in the in the <laughs> description just in case that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um, uh... <laughs> less than two minutes to go. So I want to give this opportunity to plug anything that you want to plug. To, I mean, I was gonna say usually I tell people where to say like where people can follow them, but you must be an emotionally healthy person because you're not anywhere people can follow you. I can't be followed unless you come to my house. Apparently, I leave the door open. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you could come to my house um uh, other things to check out i mean check out lala vargas's campaign for city council district 14 he's running against kevin de leon and that guy sucks so <laughs> <laughs> let's have someone in there that's like really for the people um what else should i plug i don't know like i'm nice if you see me in the picket line like please come, come i can confirm that i can confirm come that to the pickets. Come, come to the picket you can follow her at netflix speaking of the pickets i did read an interview where you said that you're an introvert i can't i don't see that i don't see that on the picket line like you do a great job you bring all the energy you bring the chance you make people happy so like good on you that's like you know you it 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 means a lot, I think, to people out there to have good energy from the captain. So, you know, you always bring it. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's like, 
with our yeah. little bit of remaining time, I'm sorry, I don't mean yes, to speak yes, over please. you. We don't, we have very little time left. So I do want yes, to get yes. to know you on an even deeper level at this point. Uh, Jasmine, what do you think happens after we die? I honestly, you know, vibes, whatever, whatever religion, whatever, like belief system you're in, like some vibes happen. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay too. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.